I think one thing 2020 and 2021 have taught us is to sing that song a little bit more from the heart. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. These are uh, very difficult and sometimes odd times that we are in and challenging times. Appreciate so much Stan's presentation and our safety team and our, our elders for maintaining as best we can a safe environment for us all to come and to join together in worshiping our great God. I appreciate Chad's reminders to us from Matthew 25 as we gathered around the table uh, that we have been blessed immensely by Jesus Christ and, and because of that he has called us to be a blessing to others and to share the things that we have uh, to show the love of Christ and to share his word as best we can through our lives first and with our words as we have opportunities. Appreciated very much our shepherd David Wicks's prayer as he not only remembered to ask God's blessing on those of us in this community, um, our families, our individuals, our children, our teachers, our schools, our community, um, the law enforcement and the first responders, the medical personnel that are especially vulnerable and have been for such a long time, physically and emotionally but to also remember others around the world, those in Haiti suffering and recovering from an earthquake, um, those in Afghanistan who are suffering with such a, um, an incredibly devastating uh, situation in their country. And yet here we are, remembering that Jesus is Lord and remembering how sweet it truly is to trust not in people, not in governments, not in preachers, but to trust in Jesus Christ. And that is the great, great blessing. This morning I get to share with you um, a lesson about a man who was uh, the enemy of the church and then became its uh, strongest voice. And of course, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. I kind of look at this uh, lesson as an introduction to the lesson that we'll receive on Wednesday night. Jason will be sharing with us uh, on the Apostle Paul as well in our series on Wednesday night, Looking Forward, Conquered or Conqueror. And so it's a blessing for me to be able to, in this series of Jesus and his relationships with others, to speak today about Jesus and this special relationship that he had with Saul of Tarsus, the Apostle Paul. Before he was the Apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus and was dead set on destroying the church with every ounce of his being. That's what he sought to do. Interestingly enough, as you know, Jesus interacted with him when he was both Saul and Paul. <laughs> Jesus didn't wait to interact with him until after he had converted, but Jesus interacted with him before. And so a few things today about this special relationship between Jesus and Paul. It begins, of course, with Paul. Paul opposes Jesus, first of all. He was, again, set on destroying the church and all the followers of this one who claimed to be the Messiah and ended up being crucified on a cross by the Jews and the Romans. 
Paul opposes Jesus and we're first introduced to him in Acts chapter 7 at the scene where the first Christian martyr saw his life taken for the faith. In Acts chapter 7 beginning at verse 55, Stephen, one of those special seven chosen, we might call them deacons in Acts chapter 6, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, a wonderful servant heart to do all of those things, Chad, that you mentioned in, in Matthew 25. That's the kind of person that Stephen was, but he was also a, a very courageous preacher. And he spoke this lesson with truth and with love and with honesty and with conviction. And then in verse 55 of Acts 7, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, verse 58 of Acts 7, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing him. Paul opposes Jesus as Saul of Tarsus and it starts right here with the first Christian martyr, but far from the last, as best we can tell, that Saul of Tarsus would have a part of. In Acts chapter 8, Continuing in verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul, verse 3, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. And then in chapter 9, we get a little bit of a hint of exactly how he did that. In chapter 9 of Acts, verses 1 and 2, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And so Paul was not willing just to stay in Jerusalem, but he was going to the neighboring area. Damascus, the capital of Syria, when it was the world empire uh, back in the 8th century BC, and now still a a thriving city north of, of Judea and Jerusalem. Saul received permission from the Jewish leaders. He was their point man in opposing the church. He was the guy that they looked to that said, we need you to squelch this. They thought they had done that when they crucified Jesus. And yet the tomb was empty and now the disciples were all everywhere saying that he was raised from the dead and enter Saul of Tarsus. In Philippians chapter 3 and also 1 Timothy 1, Paul mentions in one of those, a couple of those autobiographical passages, especially Philippians 3, when he's talking about his life as a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he says, as for zeal persecuting the church, no one was more passionate than Saul of Tarsus. No one was more zealous than Saul of Tarsus. But that passion was all directed towards destroying the church that Jesus founded with the blood 
that he shed on that cross. Paul opposes Jesus. And then next, Paul converts to Jesus. (laughs) If there was ever a huge surprise, it's this one. (laughs) If there was ever anybody that you would write off your list, cross off and say, you know, they're gone. I I don't need to worry about them and trying to influence them for Jesus. There's just no way they would ever turn. That would be Saul of Tarsus. We read about that story of his conversion in Acts chapter 9. And uh, as Luke records it, when it during the narrative of, of Acts, and then Paul himself recounts it in Acts 22 and in Acts 26. And as we shared in our Sunday morning Bible class in the Family Life Center today, this is how we do evangelism. We share these story by sharing my story. That's what Paul does in Acts 22 and in Acts 26 and in Philippians 3 and in 1 Timothy 1. He shares and tells his story. (laughs) This is what my life was like before Jesus came in. This is how I became a Christian in Acts 22 and in Acts 26. And then here's my life now. Paul converts to Jesus. He sang the song. (laughs) That we will sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Just like Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, when they decided to follow Jesus and made it public by becoming ceremonially unclean during Passover weekend and taking his body off the cross and laying it in the tomb that Joseph himself owned. Saul of Tarsus does the same thing. He makes a very public proclamation When he becomes a Christian, I have decided to follow Jesus. We love that story in Acts 9. And again, as Paul tells it later, as we just read a few moments ago, having orders to go to Damascus and do the same thing he'd been doing in Judea and surrounding areas, hunting down members of the church of Jesus Christ, those who would proclaim faith in this resurrected Messiah, Those who would claim that the one who had been crucified as a criminal with criminals was actually the long-awaited Messiah. For Saul of Tarsus, he could not fathom that. It was blasphemy. And he was willing to destroy anyone with whatever measures were needed that would make such a claim. And with that in mind, he went to Damascus. But as you know, on the road, there was a, a, a great light that blinded him and a voice that came out and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, because he genuinely believed he was doing God's will, asked, who are you, Lord? And the response came, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. According to Acts 26, that statement, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul, I've been been trying to reach you. And you're not responding. And can you imagine Saul of Tarsus when he heard those words, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. There was no one, no one on the face of the earth, perhaps no one even since, who was doing more to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. Saul answered and replied with a question, and it's the only question that a person can offer at that point. What shall I do, Lord? 
what shall I do? And Jesus told him, go into the city and you'll get the answer to your question. So he goes in, he has to be led because he's blind. He goes into the city and for three days and three nights, he's praying and fasting. Don't tell me this man didn't believe, he believed. Don't tell me this man didn't repent, he repented. Jesus, of course, comes to Ananias, this Christian man, and he says, Ananias, there's a man by the name of Saul. I want you to go to him and share the message I have for him. And Ananias says, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, I don't know about that, Lord. Are you sure? I mean, uh, two questions, sort of. First of all, number one, are you sure it's Saul? And number two, do you, are you sure you want to send your old buddy, old pal, Ananias? So Ananias knew the kind of man he was. He knew what he had come there to do. Jesus says, you go. He'll suffer some. But he's going to be my messenger. And you're my messenger to him. Ananias goes to him, and in spite of three days and three nights of believing, of repenting, of praying fervently, fasting, still there was one more thing that Saul of Tarsus needed to do. And in his own words, he says that Ananias came to him in Acts 22, verse 16, and said, Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on the name of the Lord. How do you call on the name of the Lord? How do you have your sins washed away? It's through believing and repenting and confessing that faith and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And that's what Saul of Tarsus did. And he was raised to live a new life. And from that moment on, it was 100% different. I have decided to follow. Jesus. He left that former life behind. The chief of sinners, he calls himself in 1 Timothy 1 and converts to Jesus. Third, Paul preaches Jesus. For Paul, it didn't stop when he dried off after being baptized. That was just the beginning. It's just the beginning for us as well. In Acts chapter 9, verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to Damascus to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? The answers to both of those questions, yes, same guy. Yet, verse 22, Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Nobody could do it better. <laughs> he knew all the words that were used against this claim. He had said them himself. He had believed them himself. Verse 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. No doubt. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. And so it begins for Paul. This life of suffering, this life of difficulty, this life of threat, this life of persecution, this life of hardship because of, not in spite of, but because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Perhaps we should remember our Bible history and consider our world history of the last 2,000 or so years as we look at our own lives and our own situation 
today. He goes on his mission journeys. He goes to Rome, all preaching the message of Christ. He writes letters to individuals and to churches, all preaching the message of Christ. In Romans 1, he says it clearly. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God for salvation, starting with us Jews, but then going on even to the non-Jews, which he would consider blasphemy before Jesus. And now it's what he gave his life to do. We proclaim him, he says in Colossians 1. I preach Christ and him crucified, he told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2. Paul opposes Jesus, Paul converts to Jesus, Paul preaches Jesus, and now it turns a little bit. Lastly today, Jesus encourages Paul. In Acts 22, we read of him being in Jerusalem and and nearly being torn apart (laughs) during this time as they're trying to Uh, arrest him and and they've had him arrested and now they're trying to convict him and have him killed the Jewish leaders are but Jesus comes to him and he says don't don't worry don't worry in Acts chapter 18 uh, after after Paul's conversion after he had been to Jerusalem that first time and heard had heard the words of Jesus encouraging him now he's in Corinth on his mission journeys and he's And he's there and he's wondering, with all the sin in this place, Corinth was known for its sexual immorality. It was known in in now modern day Greece, a city in now modern day Greece, it it was known for its idolatry. And yet Jesus comes to him in Acts 18 and says, you stay, you stay. You've got a lot of work to do here. And he did. In Acts 23 again, in Jerusalem, wondering if he's going to be killed or not, Jesus comes to him and encourages him. And he says, don't you worry, Paul. Just as you have testified for me here in Jerusalem, you will testify for me in Rome. You will go to the capital city of the empire and tell this same story. In Acts 27, while he's on that ship and and is going through all of that storm and and they're they're literally taking ropes and swimming under the boat and tying the boat together an angel comes to paul and he says don't don't worry if everyone stays with the boat they'll arrive safely Finally, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, that great passage where Paul speaks about his vision and and he speaks about his humility in the midst of such great work, such great vision, such great ministry, even trying to be worshipped as a god in some places. And Paul says, in order to bring me back to who I am, God provided a thorn in the flesh. And I asked him to take it away because Satan wanted to use it to destroy my faith and and make me more ineffective in ministry. And Jesus said, no. He heard my faithful prayers over and over and over again. And he said, no, 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 the thorn stays, but my grace stays with it. And so Paul says, that'll be enough. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Jesus encourages Paul. So through it all, Jesus was there for Paul. 
at every turn, at every step. When he was Saul of Tarsus persecuting the church, Jesus had him pegged. He was waiting for just the right moment. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul. When he converted to Jesus and his life took such a turn, as he began to preach and suffer and be persecuted, perhaps more than anyone else, still alive during that first century of the church. And through it all, Jesus encouraged Paul, reminded him of his presence. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul, and that's why he could say, I have decided to follow Jesus. Through it all, Jesus was there for Paul, and Jesus will be there for us as well. He will be there for you. Whatever is ahead, I can't tell you what the future holds, but I can tell you that Jesus will be with you. I can tell you the answer to that song we sang earlier, that prayer song. That includes my favorite verse of any song, church song, old song, written by dead guys, written by people today, pop songs, my favorite verse of any song whatsoever. Be with me, Lord, no other gift or blessing thou couldst bestow, could with this one compare a constant sense of thy abiding presence. Where'er I am, to feel that thou art near. Jesus has answered that prayer with a resounding yes. I will be with you. If today you need to decide to follow Jesus, come as we stand, sing our song together.